some trials may come from day to day heartache and sorrows may come my way but nothing can stop me from holding on with Jesus walking by my side I'm going on I'm going on I'm going on I'm going on toward the mark toward my home No!
this morning, Jesus. Lord, there is only peace inside of you. Lord, as we see this world rocking and reeling, God, there is still peace in the name of Jesus this morning. Lord, whatever someone is facing in this building, God, whatever they're going through, there is peace inside of Jesus. Lord, may they come into the ark of safety this morning, God. And Lord, may you fill their hearts and their minds this morning, God, with the presence of the Holy Spirit this morning, God. We thank you this morning, God. Lord, no matter what this world says, no matter what this world does, God, that there is peace in Jesus. Lord, we pray for the peace of Israel this morning because, God, we know only you can bring the peace that is needed, Jesus. Lord, I pray this morning, God, that you will bring the peace in every situation, in every life and heart this morning, God, like only you can do. Lord, we pray for the altar service, God, if there's one that doesn't know you or is following you afar off. God, may they come to the saving knowledge of your grace. Lord, you said if we would draw nigh unto you, you would draw nigh unto us, God. That is the word of God this morning. We thank you and we give you praise this morning.
wonder It's all struck wonder Just at the mention of your name Somebody shout Jesus Jesus, your name is power Breath of living water Such a marvelous mystery Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you.
love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. And all my days I've been held in your hand. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of
when I walk by your side, I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me.
may trade your blessed Savior for a moment of worldly pleasure, but I'll keep Jesus, heaven surely worth it all.
thank you for the offering today. God's doing great things. And uh, I want God to have his way. I'm not trying. I don't have no preacher's itch. I'm not rushing up here because I have such a great minister and I want to preach, you know. <laughs> I don't want you to get that in your mind. God's doing what God's doing. But I also know that God's speaking a lot of things today. There's a lot of things happening in our land. Sue's already mentioned it. There's a lot of turmoil, a lot of things that tells me the days are very near, that God is doing something. It's not what we do, it's what he's doing. And today, I want you to go to the book of Zechariah, and that's where I want to talk about it uh, today, and I want you to hear it because uh, something that God laid on my heart last week about it that Zechariah is the second to the last book of the Old Testament. Zechariah wrote 14 chapters. And I think that uh, some believe that they were split. The first eight or nine was done at a different time than he did it later on. But it was somewhere around 500 B.C. all the way up into the 400-something B.C. That, that Zechariah spoke reason I'm telling you that date and those times is because I want you to understand how close we are to the days and how close that Zechariah spoke things that God put on his mind to speak and that they are coming to pass today. And I want you to see that because that's what God got me on and I begin to read it now. There's all kinds of things and for time's sake I'm not going to read them all but I am going to touch on them. One of them is that this whole book of Zechariah is talking about not only the judgment that's coming, but it's talking about the restoration of Israel. And God is bringing the restoration of Israel. It's coming up. How many knows it's still coming? How many knows God's still dealing with Israel? Now you may think what you saw happen two or three weeks ago in Israel was, was And it is such a terrible thing. And you think, oh, they're messing with God's people. But I'm going to show you something a little later on that you probably never read before. And I want you to hear it because I want you to understand something, every one of us. God is trying to get you and me to the place where we repent. How many knows he's bringing every one of us, every one of our family members, every one of us to a place where he is not satisfied to leave you where you're at. When Sue started talking about praying for Israel, listen to me, you should not only be praying for Israel, but when you pray for Israel, it's coming too this day. Now, why? Because I don't think we haven't done the right thing. I think we're doing the right thing. I think we're praying for Israel because that's what God told us to do. And praying for Israel says, Lord, bring them to you. How many knows God's got to do something? Israel's in a backslidden state. They don't, they represent God in the flesh, but they don't they believe because they're Jew, they're going to heaven. They don't have to do anything for it. But they had missed the very uh, gift that God sent them, the very Savior. That's where me and you come in. We're blessed today to have that. And can I tell you something? The church is doing the same thing Israel did. 
The church and the people are falling, drifting away, wondering, should I bargain with this or bargain with that? Let me tell you something. You can't bargain. Israel has tried for a long time in the flesh to bargain with the Arabs, and it has never worked. Never. You know why it won't work? They hate their guts. The Arabs hate their guts. There is no bargaining with somebody to hate your guts. I mean, they've either got to get over it and repent and say, you know what, i got a wicked heart, and that's why I'm the one that's fixed, not Israel. They've got to come to the conclusion of that, and I'm not their enemy. God knows we're the same boat. We have to make up our mind if we are. Don't let the enemy in. He cannot get a grip in there. He can't get a stronghold in you. And we'll find our own self growing close to God, hearing the voice of God, knowing the time that we're living in. God is graciously restoring people, graciously. I'd say it graciously because he has to look beyond our faults to see the need in our life. He's been working on it for a long time. There's so many things happen in the book of Zechariah. A little bitty book called A Minor Prophet, but I want you to hear something. One of them was, was when the king comes. It says in verse 9-9 of Zechariah, it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, the king comes unto thee. He is just in having salvation, lowly in riding upon an ass and upon the coat. Uh, a colt, the foal of an ass. How many knows what that's saying? That was Zechariah all the way back at that time saying, the day that Jesus rode that donkey into Jerusalem and they hollered Hosanna and raised those things and praised him. Connie, those was the day that he's talking about right here. Here he is, years, 500 years before this happens, and Zechariah is quoting what's going to happen. I mean, I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes God... Don't tell you no details. He just tell you something's going to happen. But somewhere along the line, Zechariah got a detailed, a detailed word of God. Because when it happened, it was so obvious, Ryan, that it was exactly like he come riding on a dog. He should have been riding on a great white stallion. He should have been arrayed as the king of kings and lord of lords. But he was not. He came lowly. He became one of you and I. He came to his own Israel. Listen to me, Zechariah is dealing with Israel. He came to his own people. The very people that stood there and praised him one week were hollering crucify him the next week. Listen to me, that's how, that's how shaky we are sometimes in our walk with God. We claim to believe in him, but don't put us under no pressure. Don't step on us to find out what's in us because you won't like it. On down in Zechariah 11, two chapters later, verse 12, another, word, another thing that's been spoken. He says, and I said to them, verse 12 of Zechariah 11, he says, I said to them, if you think good, give me my price, and if not, forbear. So they weighed for my price 30 pieces of silver. Whose price? That's what, listen to me, that's what Israel priced Jesus as. The very Messiah that was coming, they valued him at 30 pieces of silver because that's exactly what they offered to give 
to Judas to betray him. 30 pieces of silver. They valued him as very small to be the Messiah, to be the King of kings and Lord of lords. And Zechariah wrote about it. He wrote about the 30 pieces of silver. On down in Zechariah 12. And I want you to look at verse 1. It says in it says, the burden of the word of the Lord for Israel. Listen to me. The, the heavenly father is burdened for Israel. There's a burden for Israel. Israel is away from God, and God's trying to reach them. God's trying to get them. You know, God's not, yes, he promised them the land, and that's why he's restored them back to their land. But he wants to be their people. And he wants to be their God. You know? He wants it to be a relationship between them and him. He's married to it. He said, I made a promise that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I, I've worked this whole plan out to the, that they would serve me, that they would love me, and I would love them and take care of them. And we think Israel thinks they're too important for God. They're too important to listen to the voice of God crying to them. They were too important to listen to the words of Jesus. They wanted to get rid of him. They despised his words. He goes on to say, The burden of the word of the Lord for Israel, saith the Lord, which stretched forth the heavens and laid the foundation of the earth and forms the spirit of man within him. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling and all the people around about when they shall be in siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem. How many sees that going on? Everybody around them. I don't care which way you turn in Israel, they hate them. Everybody that's on their borders hates them. Everybody that's on their borders wants to annihilate them and push them off into the sea, get them out of that land and let us have that land. Don't care what God says. But can I tell you, Israel's in God's hand in spite of their rebellion. They're still in God's hand. Pay close attention because of what he's saying. Verse 3, and in that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all the people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces. Somebody's going to have a payday coming that's attacking Israel. I'm sorry, you know, Maria brought it up the other night uh, in the fourth, fifth, chap fifth chapters of 1 Samuel. She brought it up about how the Philistines took Took that, and you know the very uh, place it was at, she was talking about it's in Gaza. The very cities, the very thing that happened the other day on the news happened in all them little cities right there in Gaza. That, that was written all the way back in Samuel's time. It says, though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. Now I want you to skip down to verse 9 in chapter 12. 
And it said, it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. Listen to God. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace. Praise God. We felt the spirit of grace today. What a beautiful thing when God offers you mercy and grace and love. How beautiful is it when we, des we deserve nothing but unmerited favor comes our way. How beautiful is that? That's God. He's going to bring that. Zechariah's writing, he's going to bring that to Israel. Listen to what I'm telling you. He don't want a people that he just called a long time ago. He wants a people that loves him. He's going to have to change their inside, just like he did you and me. If you don't get your inside changed, you think people around here's nuts. They sing, they shout, they whoop, they holler, they, they speak in tongues, they do things crazy, and you think, man, them people's got it. They need to get a life. They got something going on there. But they've lost it. But the real truth is, we're so happy and so excited about the presence of God that when he comes around, we don't hardly know what to do with ourselves. I would act like my old man, but my old man was a shameful person. So I want to be reverently respectful and say, hallelujah, Lord, I thank you for your presence. But I got to do something. My grandmother used to go, whoop, whoop, every time she'd feel God. She'd, whoop, whoop. She could, she could do that all the time, even up in her 90s. Why? Because it was real to her. She knew when his presence was in the room. It says, spirit of grace and of supplication, they shall look upon me whom they have pierced and they shall mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. In that day there shall be great mourning in Jerusalem. Now stop there. But the rest of that's talking about they're gonna be mourning. Why are they gonna be mourning? It's talking about the sons of David. It's talking about their wife. It's talking about not only families, but it's talking about individuals. Talks about them, talks about their wife, talks about their, their family. What is it talking about? It's saying they're finally going to see Jesus for who he was. They're going to look on him whom they pierced. And when they do, they're going to mourn and they're going to weep and they're going to be in bitterness because of their self of their denial of what God had sent them. Praise God. See, you got to understand, God already gave you his best. He gave Israel his best. He gave them the son of the living God. He sent them to become you and I so he could lay down his life and die for your sin and mine, that he could bring us to God in this relationship. That's why this is so important. He is working upon Israel today. You may think, boy, where's God at? You wait till God shows up. Let me tell you something. God's already showing up. God's not leaving Israel in their lost state. He'll wake you up. He'll wake me up. Sometimes, the Bible says it real clear. The Bible says simply, you're going to reap what you sow. Don't be deceived. 
You keep denying Christ. You keep living for the world. And you know what I was thinking this morning about the salt. We're the salt of the earth. But can I tell you something? When you get your salt tied into Sodom and Gomorrah, his wife turned to a pillar of salt because there was nothing inside. Everything in her was hooked to old Sodom and Gomorrah. And he told her, don't turn around. Don't look back. That means when you walk away from the old life, the old you, that means you got to be a new person in Christ. And that new person in Christ, you're going to have to fight a fight. Fight a fight of faith. She had lived there so long that she could not even not turn around. She had to turn around. That was where everything was for her. That's where her heart was. That's where her life was. She was warned not to turn around, but she did. The great mourning, the great weeping. Don't you know God wants them to see how much he truly loved them? Don't you realize that God loves you so much? He ain't trying to steal your time or steal your life. He's trying to give you life. You're on a dead-end path. Every one of us is on a dead-end path. Young as you are, you're on a dead-end path. You can look up here and think, that old guy, well, I wish he'd just hush. I wish he wouldn't talk so much. But one day, you're going to wonder, where's somebody else taking his place? Because you need to be told about Christ. I need to be told about Christ. All of my life, I need to be reminded of whose I am. Because the enemy's trying to get back in the door. He always will. On down to Zechariah 13, chapter 6, or verse 6 of chapter 13. And one shall say unto him, listen to what Zechariah's writing. What are the wounds in thy hands? Then he shall answer them, those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. How many knows? That was Jesus. Zechariah wrote about it that someone would ask him, where did you get those wounds? Where did you get them scars in your hand? You know what them scars are for? I think they're going to remind everybody of who it was that paid your price. All in heaven's day. You know what? The only thing man made in heaven's the scars in his hands. But all through eternity, Connie, we're going to be reminded. I paid for you. I love you. I loved you this much. I laid down my life and I died. I had done nothing wrong, but I loved you. The Father sent me to rescue you, and that's what it cost me. We're going to look upon him that has the scars in his hands, the scars in his feet. It says, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man that is my fellow. Saith the Lord of hosts, Smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered, and I will turn my hand upon the little ones. How many know Israel was scattered when Jesus died? Israel had a hope right before them, but they crucified him. Year 70 A.D., they were destroyed, completely wiped out, scattered all over. Why? The shepherd wasn't there. 
They refused the shepherd. Now the sheep are scattered. It says, and I will turn my hand upon the little ones. And it shall come to pass that in, in all the land, saith the Lord, two parts, listen to this, two parts therein shall be cut off and die. But the third shall be left therein. What does that mean? Somebody said it to me the other day. Two-thirds of Israel's people are going to die. You hear what I'm saying? Two-thirds. Two-thirds, when he's, what he's prophesying about is he's talking about when it comes, when, the, when this battle comes, when the Armageddon time comes that's coming upon them. Now, I realize church is going to be gone, but he's using these scriptures to show Israel how much I love you and that I'm coming back for you. But it says here, two-thirds shall die, but a third, but a third shall be left therein. And I will bring a third part through the fire and will refine them as silver is refined we'll, and will try them as gold is tried. And they shall call on my name and I will hear them and I will say, it is my people. And they shall say, the Lord is my God. Who says that? The third. Those that slept, the remnant if you'd have it. Because there's a remnant of Israel that will believe him. I mean, here's what I'm saying. They're going to come and they're going to mourn and they're going to weep because they have believed. I read somewhere that there's over 7 million Jews in Israel right now. Now, I know there's more in population, probably twice that. But the real truth is the Jews is who he's dealing with. And seven million Jews, if you take two-thirds of that away, you'd be lucky to have two and a half million if there's that many. But God's going to deal with the remnant. He's going to take them through the fire. He's going to fight the battle for them. Now listen to me. I know you're looking at me like I'm telling you something new, but I'm not. Now, I want you to turn to the 14th chapter because this is really what God gave me to preach. And I'm about done, but I want you to hear it because I'm not going to do the whole chapter. I'm just going to do the first seven verses. But I want you to hear what it said. Zechariah 14.1, the last chapter of Zechariah. Behold, the day of the Lord comes and thy spoils shall be divided in the midst of thee. Listen to this. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. There's that day coming. Bobby, it's, it's not yesterday. It's coming. I mean, you're going to think our news tells bad news. You ain't going to see bad news till you see what's happening in this. It says, I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken and the house is rifled, and the women ravished, and the half of the city shall go into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Number one, I want you to hear this. The Lord is the one that's bringing this. How many knows God is lining the nations now? You think they, all he's doing is bringing out the hatred that's already in 
these Arab countries around them, and all people of the whole world, including America sometimes. I wonder sometimes if we're falling into that place where if it's going to cost us something, we'll just stay out of it. Let me tell you something. If we don't defend Israel, God raised us up to defend Israel. He raised us up to carry the gospel forward and to let Israel know what a blessed nation that follows the Savior is. But we've turned that. We've slowly turned it. Now, he's going to rescue us, but he's dealing with Israel. But it says here, I will gather those nations to battle. He's the one who gathers them. The city shall be taken. Listen, to, didn't this sound a lot like what just happened? The houses rifled? What does rifled mean? Houses rifled mean they were searched. They were, the houses were searched and robbed. They, were, they stole stuff. They took people away. They stripped bare everything they could get out of it that they wanted. And then it goes on to say the women were ravished. Ravished women means carried off by force and raped. We heard all of this in the news. Should I not talk about it here? I'm going to tell you, the Bible's already told us it was going to happen. And it's not only going to happen in Gaza, it's going to happen in all Israel. And you say to yourself, and I've heard many say, oh, boy, they're messing up with Israel. When they, you better leave Israel alone. That's God's people. Let me tell you something. God's going to bring them to that place. Why? He's working on the inner heart of Israel. He wants them to repent. He wants them to come to him. I would love to tell you that you get saved and you ain't going to have no rain. But Jesus, bring the rain because I need to get closer to you. I need you more than I need my next meal. I need you more than I need food and money. I need you more than I worry about the stock markets or anything that's in my bank or out of my bank. You know what? We need Jesus. You need to hear his words because if you've got his words in here, you won't be looking back. You'll be looking forward because that's what his word's telling us. And it says, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity and the residue of the people. I don't think that was just the fulfillment, but I think it's a taste of what's coming. That what happened a couple, three weeks ago in Gaza is just the beginning. You think Israel's too good to suffer? Is the church too good to suffer? I remember Job saying, telling his wife, when she told him, just curse God and die, he said, shall we not accept what God has given us? More or less, he gave us all these blessings. Shall we not accept the evil that comes by too? I mean, who are we? He knew he had lost 10 sons. You'd think he's ready to say, Lord, you left me. I'm just going to kill myself and die. He didn't do it. He held on. He said, I'm in the hand of God. I'm God's child, and that's more important to me than anything else that I lose or have. You've got to make up your mind it's all the way with Jesus. You've got to make up your mind I'm going to live for him whatever it costs me. And the world's not going to like you. Your family's not going to like you. Those that's got everything rosy in their family ain't going to like you. They don't want to see you praising God when you're 
poor and broke and don't have nothing. They don't want to see you going to church and praising God for all the things that God's getting ready to do. They want you to go and get into the world like they got into the world. And they want you to strive for the things of this life. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm not trying to condemn nobody. God help you. God bless you. I praise God you got wealth. I praise God you got health. I praise God you got all those things. But can I tell you something? When you have it and someone else don't have it, you ought to be grieving for them. You ought to love them like our Heavenly Father loves us. I used to look back at my father and mother and I had somebody tell me, can't believe all those things happened to your daddy. Your daddy was such a good man. Why did he lose his voice for two years? Why did he suffer? Why did he go down skin and bones? God should have gave him a better ending. He gave him a great ending. Can I tell you something? He showed you how to keep going no matter what happens in your life. The circumstances is not what makes a difference. He makes a difference. Get him inside. All the rest of this is going to be gone. We ain't got to worry. Okay, let me go on. It says, verse 3, Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations. And when he fought, in, as when he fought in the day of battle, and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. Uh-oh, there's another one of them scriptures jumps out at you. Why? Because he was standing on the Mount of Olives when he ascended in front of all of those, the, his disciples and the angels stood by and said, what are you doing looking up? Don't you know that very same Jesus is going to come back just as he went? And how many knows this scripture says he didn't just come up in the clouds. He put his foot upon the Mount of Olives. And I want to tell you something. Something big happened when he come back. You think he just showed up like Superman and landed on the thing? And everybody's cheering? No. I'm going to tell you what happened. He came back to fight a battle. And he came back with you and I. I don't know if you understand that, but it's in there. He come back with you and I. That, goes, that says that right down on in the, in the fifth verse. But one thing he happens here in the fourth verse, when it says he steps there, it says, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount, and, and the mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley. And half the mountain shall remove toward the north and half toward the south. Now you get a bigger picture of what's happening when he lands there. Jesus Christ is going to stand one foot's toward the east and one's toward the west. And when he stands, guess what? The ground is going to start cracking right open. And when it does, this mountains are going to go this way and these mountains are going to go that way. And guess what? There's going to be a great valley. Why? What's so important about a valley? He come back to show Israel who it is that's going to defend them. Listen to it. Verse 5. 
and you shall flee to the valley of the mountains. For the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azel. Yea, ye shall flee like as ye fled before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come and all saints with thee. And it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark. That it should, but it should, shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord. Not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that the evening time it shall be light. What's he saying? He's saying when Jesus comes back, it's not only going to open it up, but why is it opening up? It's given that one-third of Israel a place to go. Understand, they're surrounded by the enemy. You hear what I'm saying? You know, God could just come down and just shout and they'd all fall dead. But I'm going to tell you something. God wants to show you and I, a lot of times, exactly his hand in the matter. He wants you to know who it is that your Savior is and the power that's behind his name. So he comes back to Israel. He's revealed to Israel. They mourn and they weep for him because they missed him. But when he steps on that ground and that splits open, that's him rescuing them from the enemy that's all the way around them. And they don't come with just a few horses and a few guns that they borrowed from other countries. Let me tell you something. They're storing up now. And they're making, they're buying every, they won't feed their people to buy the armor to go against Israel. And they'll all come against him. And you know what the truth is? It will really look like defeat. It will be defeat. One place I read below there that it talks about how so many will go into captivity. Some will be killed. But when Jesus comes back to fight for him and puts his foot down, he's opened up a path to rescue his own people. And he's going, they're going to know who he was. They're going to know who he is. And when he steps there, he's making a path for them to escape. Now, why am I talking so much about Israel? Because God is not only the judge, but he's the restorer of life. Praise God. If it wasn't for that, you and I don't have a chance. But we know him. Israel has completely turned away from him. They don't know who Jesus was. They don't receive who Jesus was. They're looking for some big warrior on a, on a stallion. Well, he's coming. But they didn't see him the first time. They didn't know he was after their heart. He wants you and I to live for him. He wants you and I to never deny him. He wants you and I to pay the price of whatever it takes to stay a child of God. It's the only thing you can give your children. It's the only thing you can tell others around you. It's, it matters what I do, what they sung. It matters to so many what I do. You know what? I hate to hear someone that's lived for God and they just walk away. We got ministries falling. We got, te we got, the, we got little churches that thinks God's left them. Can I tell you? 
I don't care if there's 10 of us here. If we stand and praise him and we open the door for him, guess what? He's using us. He wants us to praise him if everybody else don't. You would think he cares so much about Israel, he's going to rescue all of them from their self. You can't rescue somebody that don't want rescue. And I can tell you God's trying to rescue us, but you've got to want to know that you need rescue. They won't know it. They wouldn't accept it when the, when the uh, enemy, when Babylon was surrounding the city, they wouldn't accept it. They wouldn't accept that they were going to be uh, taken into hostage, that they would be killed. But can I tell you, that day's coming back again. And when they get surrounded by the enemy and there's no hope. See, I believe, as we read down there tonight, but I believe that there's machinery involved. Don't say that. Talks about horses, talks about a lot of things. But I think there's machinery. I think there's so much weapons that's being brought to come against Israel. They're being bought by other nations. They're coming to wipe out that little bitty area and get rid of God's people. But God's got his eye on them. God's bringing to pass. Don't be afraid of what's happening there. Pray because I can tell you, if it happened to Israel, it can happen here. Fact, the fact that we don't see America written in there almost makes you fearful that we will fall and we won't be no help to nobody. But I know that he's coming back to get his church. He's coming back to get those that hold on to him. Come on back up, baby. It's becoming the time. We all talk of the judgment that's coming. But I can tell you it's coming the time of restoration. God can't restore. Sometimes in our lives, we do things that we know God's not happy with. Ever been there? I've been there. You do things God's not happy, and you know you're getting drifting away from God. But God is so gracious he not only don't strike us dead, but he also waits on us patiently and he reaches out his hand and he draws us back. And it's the heart of God. You know, they could, they could crucify Christ, but they couldn't find nothing he really did wrong to people. He loved everybody. He helped everybody. He only did good things like the play says. He only did good things. Why would they crucify him? He was trying to take something from them, the way of the world, the way of their religion. He was trying to let them know, you're off. You're not following God. You're not following my heavenly father. You're following the other guy, and he's a liar. Nobody likes to admit that to themselves. We got so much pride, we don't want to admit that we failed God. But I can tell you that's why we have church and that's why he tells us to gather yourself together for it. 
You know what? I come in here and when I stand in front of the people here and I stand back there and these singers begin to sing and I feel God's presence. Let me tell you something. If I was guilty of a lot of things, I wouldn't have a hard time. I'd have a hard time standing back there. I would. I don't know about you. I'd be, I'd be hiding from them. I wouldn't want to be in the church house. I'd want to be somewhere out the door. And I'd have a hard time walking in the door. But praise God, that's what he gave us, the place to come to him. There's nobody passing judgment on you. You need Jesus, guess what? We all need Jesus. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what's going on in your life, God is restoring. He restored Job, gave him 10 kids again. And I always thought, that's because his wife mouthed off. If she had a mouthed off, she wouldn't have had to have 10 more kids. <laughs> but she mouthed off and he, he made her have 10 more kids. <laughs> I mean, it was a piece of cake to him, but it wasn't a piece of cake to her. Maybe that ain't the way it went. I don't know. Somebody, I heard somebody suggest he had another wife. He had to go get another wife because she couldn't handle it. But I don't, I don't see that in Scripture either. I just know God restored. How many knows God can do all things? He can take us from a miserable, beaten down, defeated life. And he can raise us up. Lift us above it. That's what he's going to do for Israel. But he's after their heart. Don't you know he can replace all of those people around him. He can get rid of all those that hate him. And he's going to. He's going to judge them. But can I tell you, he wants a people that love him and that he loves. Do you love him? Do you admit to yourself, Lord, I can't live without you. I don't want to go one day. I don't want to go 10 minutes without you. I want to know you're with me wherever I go. Whatever I get myself involved in, Lord, go with me. If you can't be there, I don't want to be there. Because he is our life. Praise God. Everybody stand. In the first chapter of Zechariah, the third verse says, Therefore say unto thee, Thus says the Lord of hosts. This is when he... Zechariah starts his first writings. Listen to what he says. He says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Turn ye unto me, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will turn to you. That's how simple this gospel is. All you got to do is turn to him. He'll turn to you. And that's the way it's going to be, whether you're 10 years old here and you know God's talking to you, or whether you're 90 years old and God's talking to you. Turn ye to the Lord, and he will turn to you. That's how much he loves you. Praise God. While they sing something, if you need to pray, you come. Lord, I promised you I'd walk every step of the way. And I told you 
stand for you no matter what men say when I thought that I was really
joy shall 